Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. This is TJ Murphy, and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. My guests today are Isaiah Lopez and Vince Bichiki, the founders of a revolutionary travel safety app called Ozzy. In response to the Paris attack in November 2015, CEO Isaiah Lopez built his first commercial travel safety algorithm, enabling traveling employees and executives at Fortune 500 companies to access immediate support if they were affected by a global safety incident. Since then, more than 50 million users across 200 global markets speaking nine different languages have used this app to stay safer while traveling. Just a few of the golden takeaways Isaiah and Vince share in this episode are the importance of unrelenting patience, tips for starting a company with a co-founder, how to deal with rejection and succeed as a startup, and how to travel safely with a new app on your phone. So without further ado, this is me, Isaiah, and Vince talking about business, travel, and living a well-rounded life. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, life hacks, travel stories, favorite hobbies, and insights into living a purposeful and joy-filled life. Adventures await us, so let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to Adventurous Entrepreneurs. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey, yeah, awesome, nice thanks to, CJ. Yeah, man, it's nice to see you guys. Thanks for being here. It's good to be here. Yeah, so I'm excited yeah, to talk about your journey as startup founders. The amazing technology that you guys have developed together to help people travel more safely around the world and any other exciting rabbit holes this conversation takes us down. So let's start with a bit of background on your guys' journey. How did you guys meet and what was the aha moment that led you to start Ozo Development? Uh, I Well, so I think that Vince does tell this story pretty well. Uh, it was a introduction from a mutual friend and uh vince's uh vince's vince's a like a he's a, he he delivers tough news sometimes to some folks and uh anyway let me let me let vince tell it isaiah's no good at stories so i'll take this one um <laughs> power no team, uh, so, i like the dynamic so, so so no my my background is in uh you know wealth advisory finance um Anyway, uh, a lot of times some of my clients would come to me and, and it'd be a startup situation. And so this is kind of how I kind of initially cut my teeth in startups is that I was a, I just analyzed businesses for other people. So clients would come and say, hey, somebody, somebody they know needs some capital, right? And uh, they have a startup or maybe somebody close to them or a, a client's kid or somebody, but they'd say, hey, Vince, can you, can you go check it, check it out for me? Is this, is this a good move? And so I'd inevitably have to meet with somebody on their behalf and say, Hey, like, what do you got going on? And like, you know, nine out of 10 times, or maybe even, even greater than that. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a cool idea. It's a really cool concept, but it's not a business, right? They, it's like a half baked concept. That's, that's clever. And so a lot of times I had to be the person that'd be like, Hey, this is, you know, this is a, this is a great idea. I don't think it's 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 matured yet. It's not really a business. So 
Um, I think we're gonna have to take a pass. And so I'd have to be like, I was like the hatchet man for like a long time. I have to call somebody's baby like ugly this. sometimes. Yeah, and, and you have to do it in a really nice way. So I got really good at calling babies ugly in a way, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Never really thought about it that way. But um, but anyway, so what, you know, this this other time is like 2018, uh, a client of mine came came to me and was like, hey, I've got this smart friend that's doing a smart thing. And, uh, you know, I think I might be contributing here some capital and I might join the board and blah, 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 blah. So I was like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> so, uh, so I, so I call this Isaiah guy and I say, Hey, let's meet for, let's meet for lunch. So we, we get together for lunch and, um, you know, I go into it just knowing I'm going to destroy this guy's hopes and dreams potentially of, at least in this, <laughs> in this small microcosm of financing. And, uh, and he starts talking and all of a sudden I'm like leaning in for the first time ever. I'm like, wait, go on. <laughs> like, what else do you have? And so this turned into, we, we ended up the half hour meeting ended up being several hours long and then said, Hey, I, I actually think I can introduce you to a bunch of folks. Let's, let's actually, I, and I think I can help move the needle on this. Let's talk some more. So we ended up locking each other, like locking ourselves in a room on a whiteboard for hours, for several days. And then that progressed into finding some capital and then finding our, a little bit of our niche and then growing. And then we ended up kind of getting founder married uh, shortly after that. But it was, it started out like, this is not going to be a good thing. And then it was a, it was a, it was a cool surprise. So anyway, that's how it's. We went uh, on several dates before we got founder married for sure. Good. I think that's important. You know, you don't want to just <laughs> jump right into it, but I'm curious, Isaiah, cause you were in yeah. the financial world too, if I'm not mistaken. So I was in adjacent, product, yeah, yeah, a different, a different financial world. But what what made you shift from the the career you had to ultimately coming up with this idea and yeah, you know, ultimately meeting with uh, Vince over here? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, I think that is you know, I didn't expect to be developing safety applications. Um, I was director of global data operations for American Express uh, back in 2015, and my job was super simple. I, I just had to get data, financial data, from point A to point B. And as long as that was going okay, everything was fine. Um, and then November 13th, 2015 happened. And um, on that day, there was a distributed terrorist attack in Paris, France. There were seven different sites that were attacked. Um, hundreds of people injured. Uh, almost 200 people were killed. And um, I wanted to do something. And uh, But what could I do? You know, I'm 2,000 miles away in Phoenix. This is in Paris. But what I knew that I had access to is I knew that I, I had access to where everybody was swiping their American Express card. So I quickly wrote an algorithm that identified those who were in the areas of the attacks at the time of them taking place. Uh, and we reached out to them proactively to get them like medical assistance or transportation assistance or psychological help even, because wow. uh, it was a traumatic event. And that turned into a real-time uh, mobile, or excuse me, web app that was released to 200 global markets and translated to nine different languages. And we actually served 50 million people through this application uh, that we built. Uh, and then now it's a part of the American Express expert care uh, program where they can offer this type of service as well if you have a wow. uh, American Express platinum card. Uh, but in doing that, 
I knew that there was a bigger opportunity to help more people and that this travel safety stuff shouldn't just be with those who can have that platinum card or have the black card. And uh, so it was a pretty big risk, um, but I decided that I was going to set out and, and do it on my own. I'd had built, built um, I transitioned from kind of like a technical operator to a, a product developer at American Express and, you know, learned agile and scrum and all this stuff that, you know, you need for, you know, true product development at the highest levels. And um, I'm just so thankful for that. Cause I mean, it's basically empowered every step of the way that American Express experience is empowered every step of the way to being the startup founders that, uh, you know, I am today and what we've been able to accomplish. It's an incredible story. So that's a great push into what you guys are focused on today. Tell me a little bit about the Aussie app and, and what you guys are focusing on here in March of 2023. Yeah, um, well, we are, I, I think to let you know where we're at now, you should know where we're coming from, right? Yeah. Um, so when we when we started this thing on our own in 2018, um, we still didn't really have, like we just had, a vision of a, a a concept, but we didn't really know like what was our go-to-market strategy. Who was our first like target segment? Um, that stuff wasn't you know wasn't on the forefront yet because we just we just you know we're so passionate about developing this tool that everybody could use to travel safely, and we all want to be safe whenever we wherever we go. Um, so uh, we you know, going through some plans, um, meeting with some vendors and stuff like that in and out of state. I was in, I was in Washington, DC, uh, at the end of 2018 and, uh, over a bad sandwich, uh, I was introduced to a, um, an, a, a contact at a U.S. intelligence agency. Uh, it's called the national geospatial intelligence agency. And they said, Hey, we have a bunch of military and diplomatic families that are traveling around the world. Could you help them? Uh, and so we spent a couple months and we figured out how we could build a product that would serve these families moving around the world. Because there's hundreds of thousands of, you know, like young, fresh out of high school dudes and and women that are uh, going into situations that are unknown and unfamiliar and sometimes they're unprepared. And then, you, you know, when you have young families in the mix as well, and kids, the things that we take for granted on a daily basis, like just getting our kids to school or going to the grocery store can look a lot different when you are overseas in a new place. So they wanted us to help them. And we set out to develop a mobile first experience that would empower these families to serve the country and keep us safe. Um, you know, from a national security perspective. And so we went through about 12 months of Department of Defense and National Security Agency vetting. They looked at our backgrounds, our taxes, our code, and we finally got approved. It took about 12 months, uh, but we we got approved and we launched our app on March 11th, 2020. Two days before, basically, nobody was allowed to travel. Yep. And um, gosh, it was a great yeah. time. It was a great time. Talk, talk about timing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, you know, it was, uh, it, was it disappointing? No doubt. You know, no doubt. Uh, but the thing is, is that we had overcome 
a hurdle in terms of a uh, like a go to market and uh, you know customer issue that a lot of early stage businesses don't have the opportunity to ever overcome right and that's finding something that's going to buy your product yeah and we were so fortunate to be have made this introduction and it wasn't just it wasn't just an opportunity of um we're going to uh you know buy you know a, a certain block or we're going to test it out we had we got in on this unbelievable a small business program that was stood up in 2016 that basically allowed an indefinite quantity of software licenses to be sold to anybody that had a national security clearance card. So hmm. we basically had access to Uncle Sam's credit card. We just had to figure out like what was our go-to-market, right? And like how are we going to build the network and distribution and a and like a all the stuff. And Vince and I are not military folks <clears throat> at all. Um, we, you know, we both have kids. I've got three, he's got four, mine are older, his are younger. Like we're just family guys, you know, and we want we want our kids and our families to stay safe. And and when it came to the military, we just were like, what do we do? And so we 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 knew we wanted to embrace this challenge and we did. Uh and you know, you'd asked just a little bit ago about um have we ever traveled together and we did through, you know, trying to execute this go to market, you know, going to different bases and talking and don't go into military conferences and just meeting people that could use our product. Um, it was just a, a, a great, great opportunity. Um, and I know that I know I'm being a little long winded here um, oh, in terms yeah. of this, in terms of the story uh, to get to where we're at today. Um, but what would the, it's so important because the opportunities that we had while we were focused on that government market were incredible. I mean, we earned five different letters of support from congressmen or senators or captains um, and um, different innovation groups. And we got to participate in national innovation contests and like things like that. It was just an amazing experience that we um, got exposed to. And it kind of culminated um, in. 20 um in 21 with the Afghanistan evacuation mm -hmm. and uh during that time um we knew that we had a product that was delivering you know real-time updates around safety situations around the world and we wanted to know if there was any way that we could help uh you know Congress or anybody else that was going through this uh evacuation at the time um because there's a lot of people trying to get out as you could probably recall and um I and this is out. our core this is also like a core segment right so like Jason Bourne has the best information and in intel in the world right he doesn't need our help from the private sector but the hundreds of thousands of other folks think of the state department or anywhere else that's traveling on behalf of the government the information supply chain is very very discombobulated like it's just not efficient and you think it is and so that's where that's like the market we were serving, like the non-mission people traveling on behalf of the government. And this was a case where the information supply chain broke down at its worst case scenario at like the worst time. Yeah. yeah and the and go ahead. Uh, yeah, and it, it, it absolutely was the 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 worst time. Um, and fortunately, because of the relationships that we built to empower this application. 
that those those relationships have teams that were extracting people from Afghanistan behind, you know, the airport gates and making mm-hmm. sure that people were getting in. And, and the questions that we were getting from Congress were, who was in control of the checkpoints? You know, which which parts of the city, you know, could people move around? And uh, we worked with Senator Tillis's office. Um, you know, he posed the question to us within 30 minutes. We were able to reach out to those teams that were on the ground and get a response to him that unfortunately the Taliban was in control of the checkpoints that they were looking for. But we were still able to deliver that information in a timely manner that was effective for those people that were trying to get out. And we loved the opportunity to even at the smallest of scales uh even if it was just one person to make a a, a real difference uh when it comes to the the services that we are providing and that's what brings us to you know now and and our capability of serving the public which is we have taken this military specific you know spec tool and we have modified it for an everyday traveler so no matter where you go, what neighborhood you're in, what city you visit, or what landmark you you know you want to see on your bucket list, we can help you do that confidently and safely anywhere in the world. It's powerful stuff. And I one thing I'm curious about, you talk about relationships, and clearly you guys have had success as founders and you've created a successful partnership together a little bit of serendipity with the bad sandwich that led to the yeah. partnership with the military there's an interesting and- phone call by the way when he's like <laughs> hey how should, should we work with the dod and we're like i don't even know what that means but yeah let's do it let's do it yeah <laughs> so i mean talk about a, a real high level partnership i'm curious what do you guys think are the most important elements of a successful partnership Maybe Vince, give Isaiah uh, time. I, to I think just just transparency, honesty, just like getting it out there, because like it's real easy to breed. You know, it's just a lot. Everything's a lot of work at the beginning. It, it's still a lot of work. Like yeah. there's just that one, the work never work. ends, really. Yeah, and and so it's just really easy to like be focused on what you're doing, and then and then just just getting things out there. If you're feeling a certain way or they're, you're going, your strategy starts like building in a direction. Like you set out to go somewhere but the market shifts it. And there's sometimes where you disagree. We, we have disagreements, but we're very, I think what we are superpower kind of like what we're good at is just getting the disagreement out immediately yeah. of like, you know, even we right now we'll get into it later, but how we're, how we're doing spring break offerings and things like we we're, battling about it yesterday and like what what we each believed we should be doing um and uh and but we're good at getting it out there saying our piece pragmatically kind of thinking about it and moving on and then not letting it affect the next decision because we have we know we have 10 more in you know right right around the corner so i think that i honestly i think it's just it's cliche i mean it's like any relationship it's like transparency honesty and just communicate, communicating that back and forth. And if you can do that, you can get by the, the hurdles. Cause it's easy to communicate during good times, but the bad times yeah. are where, bad times that where, it's, where it's really, really, really crucial. And so yeah. you guys have, you know, built partnerships along the way. I'm, I'm sure you're eyeing even more as time goes on. How do you approach building partnerships? Do you have a system or philosophy or strategies that you use when you're looking to approach the right people and make those connections? 
uh, values, you know, Vince and alignment. I are both pretty value driven uh, in terms of um, our alignment. And I think that that's probably the the thing that keeps us on the straight and narrow path uh, in terms of our relationship is the is the values that we share. And I and I think that, um, you know, in, you know, like all relationships, you kiss some frogs and you learn, you know, who, you know, what a frog looks like um, before you do that. And um, we did not know what a frog looked like early. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you align your values and you ask thoughtful questions and you become okay with having to go fishing again or having to go, you know, looking for that new relationship. Cause I, I, I think that especially in the early days of like raising capital, it's really difficult to find partners that align to vision. Um, we're creating a product category that does not exist at scale today. And so finding investors that truly have vision and, and seeing, um, you know, indicators in the market with us, and they're willing to be in the trenches with us and figure problems out. I think that is just, you know, we had, to, we did have to find, uh, our way into that. Um, because, you know, when you are bright eyed and bushy tailed and you, you know, you haven't had a lot of the rejection as an early founder quite yet, like there's, there's like there's like life stress and you're like, there's like life failures, but then there's entrepreneurial, you know, rejections that I, I feel just cut so much more yeah, deeply sometimes because yeah. you invest so much of your life into this thing. And you're like, just tell me my baby looks cute. You know yeah. what I mean? And, um, by the way, being on earn. the other side of that equation yeah. versus me being the one that has to go in and say, your baby doesn't look so good. Like now we're like, wait, what's, what's wrong with my baby? Like I, we, we love this baby. Like this is uh, and, and it's, and it's so tough because you're, you have to weigh between like what, when you're starting and you're going, like you're also dealing with their opinions and experiences. And some of them are not, some of them are extremely relevant, but some of them are not. And it's really hard to decipher between the two and what advice you're taking and what advice you're saying. I appreciate that, but we're going to go our own way. Um, and you get better at that over time because you get more confident in your gut and your decisions. And it's, you know, it's based on a combination of data and just gut. Right. And um, in the beginning, you don't, you have no idea. Like everybody says something, they say counter to what you just like thought the strategy was. You're like, Oh, what are we going to do? Like what? Yeah. And uh but you get, you get, you kind of get seasoned. I mean, it's just like anything else in life, you know, you start out super green and then you, you figure it out. Yeah. So with the perspective that you now have Vince from being on both sides, do you have any advice that you would give to somebody in terms of how to deal with that rejection as a startup founder, which will inevitably. Yeah. Come? I think, I think, uh, so two, two things, um, from the, from the investment side, um, the idea I was always looking for the, the, the business concept to be really buttoned up. Right. And that, that was, that was unfair of me that early. Like, so like what I should have been looking for was this is a concept that could go, it's well thought out. The market sizing is correct. Um, product market fit is there or very close to being there, mm -hmm. but like the rest of it can be sorted out. And what you should be diving in on is like, just believing the founder 
like believing the guy, like you're betting on the guy or the gal. I mean, that's who you're betting on. And, um, and so it's more, it's more so like a combination of those things, but the, the priority is the founder, like that's who you're investing in. And then, but from the other side, um, how to deal with the rejection, it's, um, the Hollywood story is rare, right? Like you, you read on these things, but you always hear of the one that, you know, they had the idea, they met the VC, they blew up, they're, they're a unicorn right away. But that's such a, that's such a low percentage. Fraction of know. a percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in the, uh, the odds of you, you're just going to have to have meetings upon meetings and re-examine re, re and the re-explain yourself to people. And the objection there is just like, you, if you go into it knowing that it's a little bit of a numbers game, that's one thing. But also, going into it with like the values that he, that Isaiah is mentioning, like we, when we're looking for an investment partner, we're not only looking for cash, like that's, that's important. Capital is important. It's fueling the business, but it's also like what, like what their, what their life experience and their network is also providing and what they can help with. And like how, how much handholding or how much investment are they personally going to make? And those are all different. There's not the value of a dollar is very different when it comes in there. So when, initially when we were getting rejected by some folks, like we were just, we were just looking for dollars. And then we, we'd like initially we'd fall apart right after that meeting. Like, I can't believe it. This is, this is terrible. We can't, we can't figure it out. But once we put it through a lens of like, well, that guy wasn't even right. Or that, that investor wasn't even right for us. Now that we know more about them, like all of a sudden the rejection's not so, so difficult um, to deal with. But and you, but you learn from every single rejection too, right? Yeah, you take learn, the feedback. Yeah, I, I mean, we had, um, you know, we had an, an investment conversation just last last week or the week before, where I mean, we were pretty hot, feeling pretty good about it, and he he ended up saying no. And at the end of that whole, like, you know, multiple days of meetings and you know, coffees and stuff like that, I still think that that interaction with that investor moved the needle for us in thinking about our business at scale, like, like the, the path to scale, um, versus just solving, you know, a short-term, you know, you know, cash, uh, you know, fundraising need, or, you know, thinking about the next fundraising round, like that investor really got us thinking about, um, more than just, you know, the capital conversation. And, you, you know, we would not have been in that position had we not, you know, been willing to learn and take feedback and, um, and grow, you know, I think it's really easy to be disappointed when you yeah. are an entrepreneur. Yeah. And you want to, you want, like, we were there for, you know, were we disappointed in the end that we, you know, that didn't work out from a capital standpoint? Yes. But we we started going into all these relate these these conversations, knowing that who, we don't know what their situation is, we don't know what their capital liquidity is, what their investor what their investors are expecting, you know, where they're at on their year, you know, we don't mm-hmm. know, and so we've taken it as every time we have like a serious conversation this way, we take it as an opportunity to like re-examine the business from like an objective standpoint, and so like what was funny is Isaiah like where we just pointed yes. But we got off the we got off the call with the no, and I remember calling Isaiah and be like, "I feel more energized than ever after yeah, let's that go. because like we we thought about this in a way that we hadn't, and we uncovered like a couple different paths like paths to success that we didn't even see or think about prior to this exercise. So like 
I mean, getting back to it, it's hard to answer the question. How do you deal with the rejection? It's like, just know that it's going to be there. Um, my, yeah. my, by the way, my brother's a, in LA, he's a, he's, he's actor, editor. He, he's, he's been a kind of a, a mentor of mine with like rejection. Cause when he moved out there, he's like, dude, everybody says no to everybody. learn how to like, take he, it. He's, on the he's daily. like in the beginning, like you want to go home and just like go into the fetal position and cry about it. But yeah. then after a while, you're like this guy, you know, the person that said no to you, doesn't have any malice towards you. It just didn't work out in their situation. <laughs> right but you learn, if you learn something, you move forward from it, you're going to be fine. So you just kind of go into it knowing that, you know, there's always low probability of success here, but we we're confident in our value proposition where we're going. And we're also confident that we can find the right partner because we already have yeah. in a lot of several times. So we're, that's how we kind of get past it. Yeah. So as you're on this path to scale and seeking new funding opportunities, what is your long-term vision for the company and how do you see yourselves achieving that together? And maybe point that one to Isaiah. Uh, yeah. I, so I think it, um, we think about that a lot. And um, the conversations that we have with investors and customers and, and all those things, when you're early stage, you get pulled in so many different directions and there are so many shiny red balls all the time bouncing. So many shiny everywhere. red balls. So many shiny. And, um, I don't know which ones to juggle. It's hard to it's hard to know what path to go down, uh, but I think that uh, what we are is we are a safety company that is looking to shift everybody's experience that they have when in motion, when moving around the world. Uh, we, you know, it's it was kind of funny uh, it, when Vince mentioned those early days of blocking ourselves in a in a whiteboard room. We literally drew Maslow's hierarchy of needs on the whiteboard, and safety is number two, right? It's on the path yep. to self actualization. And what we want is we want to give people confidence in that self discovery process, and we think that we can do that by building a safety application that not only helps people like our safety experience that we have today on a daily basis, like if, if something happens to us, we call 911, right? We, or we call somebody for help. Um, but that's after the fact, right? Ozzy is what if the Ozzy, you know, we, we pose the question of what if you can avoid those things from ever happening in the first place? And so we are building an information, we have built an information service that can help people on a global scale, stay safer anywhere they go so they can avoid needing to call 911. But within the you know safety ecosystem in general, we see lots of advancements, right? Wi-Fi is going to be a thing. Like everywhere you go, there's going to be yeah. Wi-Fi. We start, we've started to see satellite uh, modem integration with both iOS and Android devices, meaning that we're now using space, you know, machines to communicate with each other. Uh, and the advances of, you know, augmented reality and, you know, large language models and everything that we see from, you know, an emerging tech ecosystem, there are a lot of ways to embed safety as a service into our daily lives that just empowers the experience. And I think that if we can do that, that integration with our daily lives, I think that we will have been successful. That gave me an, just a thought, like, would a successful outcome for you guys someday be having your technology just be an out-of-the-box feature in 
our cars yeah. and iPhones and, and all devices. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a critical need for anybody that has a map solution to yeah. have, you know, safety on the map, like just creating a safety API layer that exists for, you know, businesses to take the slice of information that's most relevant to them. Right. Um, and, and we think that we can do that effectively, but because we're building a product category, we have to start somewhere and yeah. where we have found our message resonating the most is with women who travel, uh, in the United States, 80% 80 of the travel decisions across the country are made by women. Um, 75% of women have experienced some kind of a threatening situation in their lives, as opposed to 50% of men. And if we can help these women who are uh, taking their own journeys of self-discovery and in their own personal, you know, um, uh, growth uh, paths in life, um, we, you know, that's a good place to start to then branch out to these other big opportunities to create those things. Uh, but it's, it's tough creating a product category. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So a little bit of a, a rewind back to something you mentioned, Vince, you mentioned you guys have found pretty effective way of going about disagreements and conflict within your partnership. How do you handle those conflicts and disagreements with your business partner and what methods have you guys used to resolve those situations throughout your career together? Um, I don't know. We, uh, we basically just, just, uh, let it, let it fly. Like we just kind of, it's total open, honest. I mean, it's like, you know, you, every once in a while you sling a grenade and then the other guy throws one right back and then you just go at it, but we, we, we finish it. You know, it's kind of like that never go to bed angry situation, um, where, uh, stuff pops up and then we just, we just, we just solve it. Like we, there's, I, I say, I, I mean, I think I'm being completely honest here. Like, I don't think there's been ever a case where it's been like a multi-day situation. Like, I think it's, we pre-handle it pretty quick. And I think that's probably the key is like, there's a disagreement. Let's figure it out. Let's move forward. And let's, let's go. Cause there's, there's too much, like there's too much going on to like, let one thing bog you down like and we both understand that i think and and we know that not every in, in knowing that not every situation not every decision is going to be perfect no matter what like we are is a you become really comfortable as a startup founder that you uh getting back to that gut like you you a lot of times you're you're make you're trying to make as much information as many of your dis decisions based on like data and evidence as you can but when you're building your pool or your body of evidence and your body of data from the beginning, sample size is very small. So you're kind of flying by the seat of the pants. So like when disagreements come up on, on, on direction or something, you know, based on this very small sample size, it's really easy then to sit back and think about it and be like, okay, make your points. I'll make mine. Okay. Those are fair. Let's go. And we, we haven't had a situation where we've really had a long-term stalemate. I mean, not that knock on wood, I guess I can't, wood. That's it great. could happen, yeah. but, but it's really about just like getting it just literally just putting it out. Like there's nothing, the no hold back brutal honesty, I guess is, uh, is the key for us. 
it's the scientific and it might method. not work in the right yeah i guess so yeah it, i mean that's what that's the way i view it i mean it is this startup thing is testing hypothesis after hypothesis and like it is that's a good often, way to think about it yeah it's throwing stuff against the wall and the fact that i can um sometimes hit vince when i i'm throwing it at the wall yeah. is great because he we can then like you know piece apart the 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 problem and then we can work together to find a solution and if we didn't have the ability to to challenge each other as co-founders i don't know where i really don't know where we would be uh cuz nobody needs a yes person and uh i i know that I have, you know, things that I'm good at. And um, I know there's things that I'm not good at. And uh, those things that I'm not good at, Vince compliments me pretty well in those areas. And based on his experience, and, um, you know, his background, he's able to, you know, communicate in and we were we are able to communicate in ways that are just more complementary, even, even when there is a disagreement. And um, I Vince is Vince is a funny guy. Uh, I think that um, humor has a lot to do with like the way that we worked through things. Like we're just able to just you know add in a little flavor of laughter, and it really relieves the stress and the tension that can that I mean stress and tension is just a constant when you are an entrepreneur, no doubt. Yeah, and I, I think I also think like going through it, like I. I have a lot of confidence in myself. I think Isaiah has a lot of confidence in himself, but like, I don't know how a solo founder does it. Like that, that's like, that's like the superhero in my opinion, because if you can do it by yourself without gut checking and dealing, or just, just getting, just arguing through stuff or, or getting second opinions on, like you can have a good, you can have a good advisory team. You can have a lot of people, but until they're like, elbow deep like they don't they don't they don't have the buy like I, I don't know how like I think it's really helpful having having these arguments because you can get through stuff like if you were solo and you're making decisions you're throwing against the wall like every good every idea you have is a good one at first because you have nobody to tell you it's a bad one yeah um, that segues well into another rabbit hole of curiosity that I have so as a partnership and for anybody that's thinking about starting a company with a partner, you know, handing out equity to investors. How have you guys and how do you plan on dividing equity and ownership in the company? And what factors do you think should be taken into consideration when making those big decisions? Uh, that is a good question. I think that was like one of our first like things that we wrestled with. Um, and, you know, we didn't really know how to wrestle with it. I think that um, um, what we did to determine where our distribution was going to be um, was just in the roles and accountability and, you know, who's, who was going to be doing what. And, um, you know, we came to a conclusion, you know, within a couple months. Um, and I mean, that was, that was really it. And then in terms of like um, the rest of the equity scenario, um, Vince has a ton of background with, you know, uh, fundraising rounds and, um, you know, finance. And I had 
a hundred percent confidence in him to set up the, you know, initial terms that we uh, had uh, created for our investors and the set aside that we have for employees and, um, you know, some of the advisors shares that we, uh, you know, have given out to board advisors, things like that. Um, so I, you know, for me, for me, the how was realizing that I, I went to Vince as an expert and I had to trust Vince as an expert to give this perspective and advice. Uh, and I had to take a backseat. And, uh, when I did that, I think that, um, it, it just helped our relationship a lot. Do you have anything to add to that, Vince? Yeah, no, I, from a the founding, founding standpoint, I think it just needs to be, it just needs to be an honest conversation about what, who's handling what, what you're doing and what, where you're at, uh, moving forward from that point, um, you know, then it's, it becomes about pricing rounds and it's a lot of, you know, math and modeling and, and, and the story actually, what's really interesting there when we're pricing rounds, especially in the beginning is it's all fake. It's yeah. all pretend. Yeah. Like all, no matter you, you, yeah. you all speculation a, you, in the and, beginning. And it, it's all hockey stick growth. Uh, you know, <laughs> like it's, you know, you, you talk to, you know, in the beginning though, like what we found very quickly and what I, what I saw when I was on the other side of it was that it, I needed to, I knew it was BS. like everything you're saying is BS because you're not selling in the market yet. You got this concept, you have this really cool, whatever, but like I needed to know, I needed to see your line of thinking. So then it gets back to the founder, right? Like, like, do you actually understand where you're going and how you're going to get there? And is your line of thinking plausible to the numbers that you're presenting? And so like that, that story, like when you're pricing around, then it's about your line of thinking of which milestones you need to hit. What, what money do you need? To hit these milestones that are going to generate this next thing. It's a very linear concept. And then, and then when we're hiring forward, um, it's also very linear, but like we came to the, you know, uh, the conclusion right away. We just want to, we want to hire awesome people. And if you're going to hire awesome people, they need to feel like they, they're valued and they're going to be rewarded. And so we have a, probably an asymmetrically large set aside for employees, but we, we did that very purposefully because we wanted, you know, the initial guys and gals that are jumping in with us, like they deserve, you know, some of the upside because they're helping us get there. Yeah, I love that. And you guys are clearly passionate about social impact. That's, that's the crux of what you guys are doing here and making a positive difference in the world. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs who are just starting out, especially those who are working on creating a product or service that'll help promote social good? That's a big question. <laughs> it is a big, big question. question. Yeah. Uh, um, world peace. Um, <laughs> uh, just, just kidding. Uh, I think, so I think the honest answer is relentless patience. Yeah. And um, that is patience with yourself. Uh, that is patience with your loved ones. Um, it is asking for patience. It is um, that you just don't know where your entrepreneurial journey is going to take you no matter what path you decide to go down. 
and um, giving yourself the grace to um, make mistakes, give yourself the grace to learn and to grow and to ask and to ask for forgiveness. I think those are um, the most important things that an early stage founder can do. Um, you know, I think the next thing is just build a strong network, like local community. Arizona community is just brilliant. We we were and, and speaking of that, like we were we were aggressively founder dating like a like a C level guy uh, early, and uh, he he got into it, and we we specifically Isaiah wouldn't compromise on some of like the direction values, like what we're trying to do, like, and it, and it, it, we could have monetized earlier, but the guy, the guy referred to Isaiah as a social justice warrior. Like he was like, you're like, he, he just refused, like, it was, uh, it was almost like, because you want to create, you know, create a, something that's a little bit bigger and we might walk away for some early profit in these in the early days, like, Isaiah was like chastised because of it. And we, we walked away from that. And I backed him hundred percent because that's what yeah. we signed up for. Like we, we do firmly believe that uh, we, 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 we're passionate for traveling. We, we have families. Uh, we we're very confident that we're, you know, you, we've all been in hairy situations. I, I, I know that I'm not Jason Bourne. Like I'm not, uh, uh, I don't have a special set of skills uh, where I can like, <laughs> ninja my way out of it like so you know we we want to just like everybody deserves have keep safe but we also want like our app wasn't to to instill fear in anybody either mm -hmm. like no, it wasn't like to do people. a like fear fear monitoring it was empower people to have their experience like you know you, you, right now the status quo is ignorance like you you kind of just like yeah. it's not gonna happen to me even though the the state department's website might be saying something weird and some part of the world you you still go and is it not going to happen to me and that's how people are right and then and then you travel a bunch and then you have all this experience but like the acute situations that pop up you don't your travel experience doesn't help you with that and so what we wanted to make sure of though is like we're out there saying you know two things one you're going to have your experience we'll do the worrying for you we'll be like the quiet you know you know sentinel in your pocket or whatever that's yeah. that we will tell you when to worry but we're not going to chirp at you and ruin your experience like we will tell you when it's time to worry and that you need to take action and that was really cool and then that built into our initial you know our initial people that you know our initial customers are on the younger side we're a mobile first app you know um specifically you know younger female travelers have like really been a, a boon to our business and and have taken advantage of it but like, what's interesting is like my parents are are baby boomers, right? And this this boomer generation that's retiring, it's just like think of like the generations, it's like garden hose yeah. of generations. The boomers, this giant bubble that's like coming down, and like my parents, oh, wow. like yeah, and they're all retiring, right? They all started yeah. retiring. So like my my parents are, you know, they're not retired yet, but they, you know, they talk about going places a lot, but they also watch the news all the time. We live we live in Chicago. Uh, my parents are still in Chicago, uh, suburbs Chicago, but they go downtown all the time like get haircuts do whatever and and like they'll see something and they'll be like oh man i would never i would never go to mexico because of i saw this thing on 2020 that told me this thing about somebody bad and what's funny is like i will now i will pull up our app which does all these safety and security ratings of every city on the planet right and i'll be like uh 
you know this area that you're talking about is actually safer than Chicago. Yeah, uh, you exactly. All the time. Like that's not that's not a reason to not do something. So like we we have this like romantic idea too down the road is like we we're aggressively going after our our, our current you know customer base, but wouldn't it be cool if it's the secondary wave could be like the boomers where we can help get in power, like a generation of folks that have worked their whole lives really hard that saved a lot of money, um, that get off the couch and go experience stuff and, and yeah. do it before it's too late. And I think that would be awesome. Like that I love that. Really, really I love cool. that so much because my parents are, are similar in a lot of ways to what you described. Watch a lot of news, mm-hmm. want to yeah. travel, have the freedom now to travel both yeah. financially, have the money, have the freedom, retire, you know? but there's, there's some fear there. And you know, my wife and I are big travelers. We spent 14 months traveling through Asia. And every time I talk to my parents, they're like, oh, where are you? Oh, is it safe there? And you know, I'd have to explain yeah. things like, mom, we were yeah. living in downtown Oakland. Like I'd hear gunshots every night <laughs> where yeah. I'm at now wow. sleeping in this hut wow. on the beach. So, is yeah, 10 True. times safer than, than where we were before. So it's, it's all about perspective and having something that can empower you with that peace of mind is, is so important. So respect to what you guys are doing. And as we kind of segue to wrap up here, one thing I always like to talk about is the fact that one of the biggest hurdles that entrepreneurs face at one time or another is living a well-rounded life and doing the things that bring them joy with the people they care about most. You guys are both family guys. I can imagine it can be hard to balance the startup world and everything you have going on and the stress that that may bring with your life at home and doing the things that do bring you joy. So maybe starting with you, Isaiah, what does living that well-rounded life look like for you? And how are you able to set the boundaries to be able to go home and, and be present and not take your work with you? Uh, you know, I am, <laughs> I over plan things. So I am the kind of person that just has everything in my schedule of what I'm going to do and and when I'm going to do it. And I just intention, I'm just intentional with the time, the time that I carve out, um, we have ongoing, you know, weekend traditions. I make breakfast every Sunday so my kids can come over, you know, whenever they want every Sunday. And, um, you know, I'll do a big old, big old thing. Um, but making progress, uh, you know, time for, um, projects, making time for mm-hmm. dates and, uh, travel and, um, just continuing to have a lived experience, a shared lived experience is the way that, um, that we can find it. And, but I, you know, if there is any, if there are, you know, a set of folks in my life that, um, I am most thankful for, for the, their relentless patience is definitely my children. You know, my kids are 20, uh, 18 and 16. And, um, the, uh, the patience that they have had and the the support and the love that they give me is like my rocket fuel. I love that. Vince, anything you would add to that? Uh, yeah, I kind of, my, I've, uh, I've got a, a saint of a wife, uh, Diana, she's fantastic. Um, and I've got four young kids. So I have eight, five, two and six months. Wow. And, uh, 
and as well. So I'm a, you know, I'm a baseball coach, I'm a soccer coach. Uh, and, and one thing that's prior, prior to, I mean, family is number one to me, um, always has been, always will be. And, um, and being there for the kids, um, specifically being there for my wife, um, is important. So we, I have a, I have a hard stop at the end of the day. Um, and then in that blast through when the kids are practices are done and the kids are in bed. And then a lot of times I have to pick it up again and work, work late, but like you can work never stops. So there's always something to do. Um, and so there's always something to do. So unless like, um, I'm a planner, I'm less of a planner than Isaiah, but I, you know, <laughs> I, I give, I give it a, a hard stop. Sometimes we have to blow through it, but then it's a very specific stop after that. Um, and we go and I just want to make sure that my kids don't even know I'm working, you know, like they're young that they, all they know is like fun dad. And like, yeah. that's where I want to be, you know? And, um, and if we do that and we can have a successful business, I think we that's, that's, that's the American dream for me. Just, you know, yeah. be there for your kids, build something of impact, have success. And, and for a lot of, not only yourself, but others, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's definitely my dream. All right, guys. So what ask challenge or, or partying advice would you give to everyone listening before? Did, did you say partying? partying? Partying advice. Sure. <laughs> I, I think I did slur my words a little bit there, but partying or partying advice. Hell, you know, there's always a good time for that. But yeah, anything you'd like to to share before we wrap up and ask you where people can find you online, socials, things like that. Uh when it, so this isn't going to be released soon, right? This is going to be released in a few weeks. Yeah, probably looking at a month and a half out. Okay, because yeah. we have we have some promotion stuff, and I'm just trying to think about timing. Um, what uh, what do we want to promote? Um, I you know, I think that you know, um. Promote what the application just promote yeah the yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah i'm thinking about like what i what i want to say and i hope you cut this out tj but uh because i you know i wasn't good with the off the cuff thing but what yeah we, we totally can cut it yeah what what we what we want people to do is realize that they don't have to go into the unknown anymore they can have a uh a literally the largest private security team in the world can now be in somebody's pocket wherever they go and we can let you know in advance. And so just, there's no need to go into the unknown anymore uninformed. And I think that as people are thinking about uh, their spring and summer and fall travel plans now until the future, uh, we want people to think about Ozzy and um, how they can have a you know more fulfilling experience and create lasting memories forever. And, and we just want to be, we want to be completely, we're, we're, we run in the background. Like we're, we want you to go have your experience, do your thing, enjoy your time off. But I mean, that's, that's we, the beauty of, of the product, yeah. right? Is that it enables you to not worry so much because yeah. you have something that's looking out 24 seven. Yeah. Early, early entrance into the safety space went the other direction. And uh, we, we believe for a long time that they missed the mark. Like they, they're, they're built around, you know, it's built around fear. It's built around, and, and, you know, that's novel at first, but like listening to a police scanner all day, you can get a lot of information, but 
A, it doesn't often pertain to you. We want to be pinpoint accurate with this information is for you today, now. And, and if you're listening to that police scanner all day, it's pretty damn depressing. And that's not, that's not what we're looking for. We, we really want you to go out there, have it, and we're trying to do it. We're, we're bringing together like the information that we're providing was quite literally only available to Fortune 500 and ultimately really Fortune 100 companies and governments. And we have been able to essentially grub hub this together for the everyday person. Like, you know, instead of finding a restaurant, you, you, you bring it with them bringing you the entree, like we, you, you're finding the city and we're bringing you the safety. And that's, that's what we, that's what we're trying to do and make it as simple and easy as possible. And uh, have you said it and forget it. That's it. Awesome. Available in all app stores. People can find you guys easily. Yes, uh, you can find us uh, OZZI, Ozzy, on Apple and Android uh, app stores, Google Play. Uh, we're also available on our website, Ozzy.app, or the social media channels, basically on every one of them, at Ozzy App. Awesome. Well, we will include that in the show notes for everyone listening. And just want to thank you both for for joining me today. This has been value packed. I know I'm going to be downloading Ozzy and using it on my upcoming travels. Going to be going to the Dominican cool. Republic, Costa Rica. Got some other, nice. yeah. Give us feedback. Adventures. Like, if there's something you see that's missing or needs improvement, we are, we are, again, brutal honesty, and let's move forward. Like we can, we know that we will get better and better over time, and we've got an awesome offering right now. But we know it's going to be even better the more time goes on, the more user feedback we have. So bring it on. We love it. Awesome. What's the best Thanks way for, for people support, to to give that feedback to you guys? Do you have a a way of doing that on the website? Should people reach out Isaiah's to you directly? Mobile, Isaiah's mobile number is yeah. 555. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you can contact us uh, through the website, through a contact form. Um, you know, I'm available at Isaiah at Aussie.app and um, you can send it directly to me. And I, I personally go through... I write the te- I do the technical writing and I work with the developers um, and we implement and we kick it back and forth and we uh, get feedback on anything that that got pulled out. Like we had um, we helped a traveler just a couple of weeks ago in Budapest. She gave us a, re- a, a recommendation to make the app a little bit better, like about four weeks ago. And then two weeks ago, we delivered it. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I used this in Budapest. And it was so amazing. Thank you so much. It was like, we love those experiences and we can only do that when we get feedback. So any, any, any uh, way that you want to reach out to us through socials or email or website, it's perfect. All right, world. Well, challenge accepted. Go use the app and tear it apart and give these guys some brutal, honest feedback. (laughs) Travel safely. Yeah. Thank you again, guys. Appreciate it. To all of our adventurous listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share this on social media or with someone you know will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one if you have the time. We'll see you all next week. And remember, whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.